BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama, and you're listening to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. Before former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was convicted of murdering George Floyd this week, Oakland police had the National Guard on standby in preparation for anger on the streets. This is exactly the kind of thing that activists and organizers say proves that the work isn't over. You're going to respond to rage about state violence with state violence. Today, we talked to Bay Area activist Kat Brooks on processing the verdict and what it means for organizing ahead. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. What was going through your mind when you found out that a verdict was going to be announced Tuesday afternoon? I got like sick to my stomach, which I found odd because I had been pretty sure for a pretty significant amount of time that he was going to be convicted, uh, especially after the murder of Dante Wright and the uprisings that happened there. Kat Brooks is the executive director of the Justice Teams Network and co-founder of the Anti-Police Terror Project. And still, though, when I, I got a text actually from an impacted family member that the verdict was in um, and, and my stomach just sort of knotted up, I was like, is, is America about to burn? 
Members of the jury, I will now read the verdict says they will appear in the permanent records of the 4th Judicial District. And then, you know, you saw the judge. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. Count two, third-degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. Count three, second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April. So you had it, all three. I've been crying for since Tuesday. Um, I, I, I had a hard time on my radio show today getting through um, the interview. My daughter uh, is 15, uh, is sleeping with me every night. Well, I know you've worked on all kinds of issues related to policing. What conversations have you had in just the last couple of days about this conviction with other organizers who've also been working on policing issues? Well, well, unfortunately, we, we, we haven't been able to have a lot of conversations about this conviction because while the Floyd family was hearing, you know, that they were going to have accountability to some degree for the murder of their loved one, um, a 16-year-old child was being shot four times center mass in Columbus, Ohio. The conversation about the conviction, you know, hasn't been so much within the context of celebrating victory or even very much about what this means for the movement, uh, other than the fact that Micaiah was murdered in that moment, the significance of that and it reinforcing what, you know, all of us uh, organizers, those of us that do this work, were really clear about um, what is happening in Minneapolis. It meant nothing in terms of ending the genocide that's happening in this country. What do you want people to know about what impact Derek Chauvin's conviction actually has on the work that you do? I do think that there's the possibility of it setting some legal precedents in terms of it allowing people like Chesa Budina or Diana Becton in, in Contra Costa, right, showing like-minded um, DAs that, that there is a pathway. Um, I think the other thing that people, though, need to really understand is that that conviction did not come because the judicial system is suddenly swinging in the favor of black life. That conviction came because thousands and thousands and thousands of people took to the streets for almost a year. And that kind of organizing isn't sustainable. Not when you're talking about the number of people that are murdered um, by law enforcement every day, right? And just in the last few days, um, right, we, we know of at least three. So we've got Andrew Brown in North Carolina, we've got Mario Gonzalez in Alameda, and then, of course, Micaiah Bryant. So um, what, what I need people to understand is we still have work to do and that the organizing can't just happen during these flashpoint cases. And so the reason why we were able to have the upswell that we had last summer was because of the consistent organizing that was happening before the upswell that happened last summer. And so I would just say, right, to, to allies and accomplices, um, know that, that, that BIPOC people are walking around wounded right now and, and in trauma right now. And, and, and that also has to be part of the solution. You know, we've been um, very seriously incorporating healing justice into our work um, for, for activists, for organizers, for impacted family members. And that is just as important as sitting through one of those eight-hour city council meetings or taking to the streets with the demand um, to jail killer cops.
Let's talk a little bit about the work that is being done in Oakland, work that I know that you, you've been doing. I know you want, for example, OPDs, um, Oakland's police budget, to get cut by 50% and have that money go towards other programs and other public safety responses. Do you think that this verdict changes anything related to those efforts? What what concerns me about that is that, you know, oftentimes we get the Obama effect, like, oh, well, we've solved that problem, right? There's a black person in office, so racism in America has been solved, that people will look at this and go, oh, oh great, okay, well, they're, they're going to start to handle this at the judicial level. We don't need to be in the streets anymore. We don't need to be calling legislators anymore. Maybe this defund thing, you know, isn't so important. Definitely the outrage around the murder of George Floyd fueled right, the national conversation about defund. So, so that's of concern to me. Not so much here in Oakland. Um, Oakland is different than any other city in the country uh, around this issue in particular because we started this work five years ago, right? So for us, defund OPD wasn't born out of George Floyd. And, and we've pushed to progress, right? We won the Reimagining Public Safety Task Force. We're already in the budget process. We're going to have a win. Uh, come June 30th, there will be money redirected from law enforcement into um, community programs that actually keep us safe. Um, so not only do I think that we're going to have a win in June, I think that the the political fabric around conversations about how we fund public safety and what actually is public safety has forever shifted in Oakland and that we'll just continue to build from here. mentioned this idea before, but like this is just one conviction. We know there are so many other police killings that either, you know, never see their day in court or when they do, the police are usually not convicted. So like, what do you make of of what it took to get this one conviction? Like, what does that say about the whole system itself? That it's irredeemable and and unreformable. (laughs) Um, The George Floyd um, uprisings were not the beginning of, of, of anything. They were in the middle of a movement that has been going on forever. Um, th- that said, this particular iteration of the movement started in 2009 with the resistance that happened in Oakland around um, Oscar Grant. And, and actually, that George Floyd conviction has taken all of that organizing in Oakland, in Ferguson, in Chicago, in Detroit, right? All of that organizing that led up to those uprisings to get that one conviction. That is the only pathway that families are afforded to, to, to get any type of, and I'm using air quotes, closure. But but that can't be our end game, right? Our, our end game has to be about how we're going to dismantle this thing and replace it with something else because it doesn't, it certainly doesn't work for black people. It definitely doesn't work for brown people. And the truth is, it actually doesn't work for anybody. It's, I mean, it's, honestly, it sounds like you're you're talking about the whole system, It's right? It sounds like it goes back to what you said before. How do you reform something that's so fundamentally broken? Well, but, but see, that's the thing. It's not broken, right? If, if, if something is broken, that means that at some point it was working right. It's not broken. It, it's actually working exactly as, as it was designed to work. Um, its job then was to catch, incarcerate, and kill black folks, and it's still doing its job. You know, its job is to re- protect race-based capitalism. Its job are to be the frontline soldiers um, of white supremacy and U.S. imperialism. That's its job. I, I know you've been working on these issues for a long time, and here in the Bay Area, there's been activism around police violence for a long time as well. How do you feel about where we are now, especially compared to the earlier days? I mean, I think we're, we're making progress. 
You know, I, I will not say that it's a win. That said, when we started the defund OPD campaign five years ago, we were literally laughed at. People on the left, partners that like rolled their eyes at me, right? There goes crazy cat again. Um, the fact that we were able to, to get the, the, the legislation at the state level passed around use of force and, and um, transparency, which directly goes at the officers, uh, Peace Officers Bill of Rights. Um, the fact that we're going to have this victory, right, um, in June here. The fact that I'm in conversations with neighboring cities who, that want to bring mental health first into um, the, their cities, and, and, and they want our help in doing that. I mean, uh, the, the people are continuing to move, and the people are continuing to move in a way that electeds have to respond, whether they agree with us or not. But the people are, are forcing the issue. And I'm hopeful, you know, around that. I, I don't see us going backwards um, because, because I actually see us, in addition to protest, the actual solutions, right? Actual alternatives, actual ways that we end the violence and that, that we end the violence without relying on the state. That we've moved to a place where we've stopped, um, as Terha Ak of Community Ready Corps says, aggressively begging for them to see our humanity. And we are asserting our humanity, attaching that to demands um, for policy and pattern shifts. And simultaneously with all of that, creating our own responses, right, to community safety that don't rely on the state. Like, I just got chills. That's exciting to me. That I only see increasing and shifting. And, and ultimately, all of those things are going to reduce the amount of engagement that people of color have with law enforcement. And that is the only thing that is going to reduce and ultimately eradicate the, this type of violence. Kat, thank you very much for speaking with us. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Kat Brooks, who is the executive director of the Justice Teams Network and co-founder of the Anti-Police Terror Project. This episode was edited and mixed by Erica Cruz Guevara. Our editor is Alan Montecilio. Shaylin Martos is our production assistant. Issa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. KQED's podcast leadership team is Jessica Placek, Kiana Mogadam, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us to you. Be well. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. 
So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 